Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Awesome. Hey, let's keep clapping. Let's welcome all of our campuses in with us. Everyone watching Church Online, really glad to have you guys on Palm Sunday. Come on, anybody excited? We're only seven days away from an awesome Easter Sunday at Celebration Church. And uh, hey, I don't wanna introduce myself. My name's Clay, I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration. I oversee our young adult ministry called Sub30. And uh, yeah, shout out Sub30. And, um, and I get the privilege of sharing the word with you this morning. And uh, I, I love our pastors, Pastor Stovall and Carrie. Every time they call me and give me the opportunity to preach on a Sunday, it's a massive honor. And so uh, I do wanna publicly just acknowledge them, thank them so much. And uh, Pastor Stovall, he, I was talking with him yesterday. He is fired up about Easter at Celebration. And uh, you know, while we're kinda here talking about uh, what's coming up in the next week, I wanna encourage you. I'm glad that you're here on Palm Sunday, but look, you can't miss Easter at Celebration. Now, I wanna also encourage you, um, if you and your family can, just because of the, uh, the overwhelming amount of people uh, that we all know come to church on Easter weekend, if you're able, we'd like to ask you to maybe make uh, the Saturday evening or the Sunday evening your service of choice next weekend. That'll help us free up some seats for a whole lot of guests and a whole lot of family visitors that are been, gonna be coming uh, to our morning services next weekend. You, you already know that next Sunday night's our big uh, extravaganza, it's a big party, so if you got kids, uh, that 5.30 next weekend could be especially awesome for you. And so uh, if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and open it up to the book of Luke. We're gonna get there in just a second. And uh, I mean, it's, it's not only just a massive privilege to preach, but even to preach on uh, such a weekend as Palm Sunday, uh, where we're celebrating um, you know, thousands of years ago what we know to be the triumphal entry of Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem. And people were crowding the streets and they were praising God and they were waving palm branches and everything that we read in scripture. And so it's very much like a celebratory weekend and, uh, and Easter is just gonna cap the whole thing off as we head into Passion Week. And obviously here at Celebration, well, it's called Kindness Week as well for us. And so I'm just really glad to share the word with you today. Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We got you covered up on the screen. It says this, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men, everyone say 10. It's gonna be important. 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, look, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And now one of them, everyone say one. One. There were 10. Now there's only one. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back and praising God in a loud voice, he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, verse 17, and Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Jesus is confused right here, church. He's like, I could have sworn I did something for 10, but, but I only see one still in front of me. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. I wanna read one more verse of scripture in Philippians chapter four, verse four, and then we're gonna pray and we're gonna get into it today, says this, Philippians 4 and 4, says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Come on, I know it's early in the morning, but how often? Always. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I love it. There's never not a good time to rejoice. There's never not a good time to get excited and give God your very best. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Man, today on Palm Sunday, um, I wanna preach to you on what I've entitled, Somebody Shout. Somebody Shout. We fixing to have church up in here today. Come on. I just thought it was fitting uh, being Palm Sunday on, on a day that it's all about celebration, all about people getting excited that Jesus is coming to town. I thought it would be fitting for us to talk about praise today and the power of praise in our daily life. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, it's a privilege to be in church. God, we never take it for granted. Lord, I pray that we would lean into your word today, that we would receive everything that you have for us. God, never ever let us just be hearers only of your word. Let us be doers, we pray in Jesus' name. We love you and everyone said amen. 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 Uh, just like many of you throughout any given year, I have the opportunity to travel different places across the country. Uh, sometimes, as you know, you're traveling for work or you're traveling for holidays. Maybe you're just traveling for vacation. Oftentimes, maybe for some of us who are pastors and preachers, we'll go and, and preach at different places. Obviously, Pastor Stovall and Carrie do that a lot throughout the year as well. And, and so me, throughout any given year, I find myself at a lot of airports. And uh, you'll know this to be true. Airports are the best people watching place on earth. Like you didn't even know that existed until you got to the airport. Whatever that is, right? Okay, like, like you will see some stuff in the airport, right? And there was one day I was sitting, um, waiting on my flight in the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. I'm coming back to Jacksonville uh, from a, a, a preaching work kind of trip. And as I'm sitting there, I got my ticket, I got my carry-on, the whole deal. And I'm, I'm just waiting for my flight. And I, I see a lot of people and they go up and they talk to the ticket agent, right? I never know what people are talking about up there. I've never had to go talk to the ticket agent, you know, but apparently you know, they got some issues with their seats or their flights or their frequent flyer miles. I, I don't know what they're talking about, but there was one gentleman as I'm sitting and waiting on this flight, he walked up to the lady, the ticket agent, and boy, this guy was angry. He was very upset and he is getting louder and louder and louder. He's causing a massive scene in the terminal. He was one of those guys who kind of talks with his hands and boy, he is giving this lady the business. And as I'm sitting there watching this whole thing, I'm thinking to myself like, like, geez, bro, like, like she didn't book your ticket. Come on, give, like, give her a break. What in the world's going on? And th- I mean, this guy had a complaint and he's letting the whole world know about it. He's got a big complaint. You know, it's not even just airports that I see this type of scene play out. I've seen it in restaurants before. I've seen people call a manager over to the table at a restaurant and boy, they give this manager a piece of their mind about what they thought, I guess, was a bad experience of dining at the restaurant. I've seen people get angry in different places around society. I saw a guy in Starbucks one time go absolutely bananas because they spelled his name wrong on the cup. I'm thinking like, bro, they spell everyone's name wrong on the cup. Unless your name is Sam, they ain't spelling it right, okay? Like everyone's name, come on, man, give her a break. You know, like, 
I've seen it at sporting events. I see it all the time. People have a complaint and boy, they get loud about wanting someone to know what they're upset with. And as I thought about that church, um, I I wanna say this. People in our generation, what I've noticed is that they get very loud about their complaint, but nobody gets loud about their thanks. Not enough people are getting loud about their thanks. Like, like you don't often see someone like invite the manager over to the table to thank him for the great dining experience you just had. You, you don't often see someone approach the ticket agent to thank them for the great flying experience you've just had on their airline. When we get real loud about our complaint, we don't get loud enough about our thanks. And so if I could just spin it for the sake of our text today, right? It's my message, I'm gonna preach it like I want to. And so if I can just say it like this, I feel like we have a lot of believers in our generation that get real loud about their petition, but we don't get loud enough about our praise. We get get loud when we need something from God. We get loud about our petition, but I I came to, to entertain the thought with you today that our praise needs to be louder than our petition. Our praise needs to be more frequent than our petitions. Our praise needs to be on a whole nother level than just our, our need and our petition. And we just read a story in Luke chapter 17 that illustrates this beautifully. I absolutely love it. The Bible says in verse 12, as Jesus was going into a, vid, a village, 10 men who had leprosy need something from Jesus. And boy, they get loud. Hey, master, have pity on us. They get loud about their, their need. They call out in a loud voice. Have you ever noticed how loud people get when they need something from God? Like, boy, when you need something from God, your prayers get long, don't they? I got no problem praying 20 minutes when I need something from Jesus, you know? Our prayers get longer, they get more frequent. Come on, you you need that financial breakthrough, boy, you praying. You, you need the restoration, you need the healing, you need the, oh, boy, you're praying, you're praying. I know some single people, man, they're wanting to get married. Boy, they're shouting at God for years now. Come on, Jesus, where are they at? Lord, is that him? Come on, God, in Jesus' name. We will shout and we will yell and we will persevere when we need something from God. But, but I want you to understand this church, there's nothing wrong with that. There, there's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's okay. The Bible says you better bring your cares to Jesus. You better bring your petitions to Jesus. Philippians four and six, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, you better present your request to God. I, I just wanna take the pressure off some people. It's okay to get loud about your need. It's okay to get loud about your request. It's okay to get loud about your petition. But I've just made the decision in my heart that the volume of my petition will not exceed the volume of my praise. <laughs> praise will be the primary in my life. There will certainly be moments in all of our life where we will need to get loud at God about something. God, I need you to pull through on this marriage. I need you to pull through in this job situation. God, the finances aren't adding up and there's still bills coming in. We're gonna get loud about God, to God, about some things in our life. That's okay, but my praise is gonna be even louder. I've met some people. I've been doing vocational ministry now for 10 years um, and I've met some people along the way who I've heard say things like this, kind of with arms crossed, they'll say, well, 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 why should I? Why should I praise God, pastor? They'll say, what's God done for me 
that I should that I should praise him. And so I'll respond like this and say, well, let's just take all the spiritual stuff. Let's put it to the side real quick. So let's just take salvation and Jesus and the cross and grace. We're gonna put all that to the side. What has God done for us? Well, you're still breathing, ain't you? You know, I I tell people this, I say, hey, do do you enjoy uh, living and sleeping with a roof over your head? Do you enjoy clothes on your back? Do you enjoy buying and eating food and having a job? Because I gotta remind some people, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter eight, for it is God who gives us the ability to gain wealth and produce wealth, so confirming his covenant with us, right? So, so watch this, there are some people in life who feel like, man, the house and the clothes and the car and the food, they thought that was them, that wasn't you, that was God the whole time. We all got something to praise about. We all got reason to praise. The second thing I tell people is this, you know, well, why should I praise God? What, what's God done for me? I, I'll tell people this, you also didn't see what didn't happen to you last year. That's a powerful thought in and of itself. Because church, there have undoubtedly been moments in all of our lives where the enemy had strategically planned an attack against you and your kids and your family, but come on, it was God in his goodness and his grace that stepped in and intervened on your behalf, saving you from a whole heap of trouble. That's some praiseworthy stuff. Boy, we got something to praise about. You got stuff to praise God that you don't even know about. I got reason to praise that I am unaware about. God, I I don't know what you saved me from, but I know you saved me. I don't know what you intervened in, but I know you intervened. I got reason to praise that I don't even know about. We all got reason to praise, I, I love it. And this story in Luke chapter 17, again, it tells us that 10 men had a petition, but only one man had some praise. Bible says in verse 15, one of them came back, he praised God in a loud voice, I love it. Wasn't just loud about the petition, he got loud about some praise. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. I want you to catch two things right here. The first thing I want you to understand is uh, just what we've been mentioning. 10 men loud about a petition, one man loud about some praise. Unfortunately, this is true, I think, of too many believers. I don't want it to be true about you. I don't want it to be true about me. I want praise to be the primary in my life. I want the volume and the frequency to outweigh the volume and frequency of my petition. But the second thing is very, very noteworthy. Um, and number two, if you will, um, the Bible took time to tell you that the man who came back was a Samaritan. Now understand this church, when you read the Bible, it doesn't just say stuff to say it. Like, like it says it for a reason. And boy, if you'll treat scripture like a treasure hunt and you dig and dig and dig, you will find some gold in there and it'll preach to you all day long. Your Bible wants you to know he was a Samaritan. In other words, what that means is as a Samaritan, he's a foreigner. In other words, not a Jew, not, not, not Jewish, he's a, a foreigner. And, and maybe just maybe, if we could just maybe speculate for a second, I, I don't know, maybe just maybe the other nine were Jews. And maybe when they received their healing, maybe there was just something in them that said, well, well, you know, this, this kind of stuff's supposed to happen to people like us. I mean, we're, we're the people of God and, and we're the Jewish people and, and this is supposed to happen to us, but it was the foreigner that recognized, I don't deserve this God's goodness. I, I don't, do, you see, church, praise comes a lot easier when you realize you're not deserving of the grace. 
Think of it like a surprise birthday party. Let's say you got a birthday coming up and you got a great friend or family member that wants to throw you a surprise party. And, um, and so they put it all together, right? That's a pretty nice gesture. And, but here's the deal. The second you find out about the party, it ceases to be a surprise. And the same is true with grace. The second you think you deserve grace, it ceases to be grace. Because grace by definition is undeserved. Boy, if you have a hard time praising, I'm just here to tell you, praise comes a lot easier when you don't have a spirit of entitlement. Praise comes a lot easier when you don't have a, I deserve this kind of attitude. Look what Colossians verse one says. It says, once you were alienated from God, that, that doesn't sound good. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Man, if that's not the most praiseworthy verse that I've ever read, then I don't know what is. It was sin that made us foreigners. It was sin that alienated us from God, but yet in his great love and grace for humanity, Jesus came to do the work that you and I could not accomplish, and so doing, he has now reconciled us back to the Father. We can have relationship with God the Father because of what Jesus accomplished. You see, grace comes, or praise comes a lot easier when you realize you were the foreigner. It was my sin that alienated me. It was my sin that made me the foreigner and praise comes a lot easier when you realize, oh God, you've been good. God, you made a way when there was not another way. God, you did for me what I could not do for myself. I was on the outside, but you brought me in. <laughs> praise comes a lot easier when you know you're the foreigner. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16 and we're gonna allow this last scripture to kind of lead us the rest of the way through the message today, Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 25. I wanna give you some points about praise, some practical points that'll hopefully speak to us and help us, um, even as we approach this next week, right? Leading up into an awesome Easter Sunday. If you don't have a Bible again, it'll be on the screen. Acts 16, 25 says this, it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas, I love this passage, were praying and singing hymns to God and they were there and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, hey, hey, don't, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. And the jailer called for lights. He rushed in, he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your whole household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at the hour of the night, the jailer took them, he washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. What an amazing turn of events that's happening right here. At the first hour, you're sitting in jail, and at the second hour, your jailer has now got you over to his house and he's feeding you a dinner. <laughs> Only God, right? 
Like only God is doing that kind of stuff. Ah, church, I wanna give you seven points about praise that we can find right here in Acts chapter 16. And as you're preparing to take some notes, I had this thought as I was piecing all of this together and let it be an encouragement to you. I feel like we have a lot of people, especially obviously believers, who want Acts chapter two experiences, but we don't have Acts chapter 16 praise lives. If we want those Acts 2 experiences of like Holy Spirit falling and God showing up and it's just amazing and oh my goodness, I can't believe we're experiencing this type of manifestation of the Holy Spirit, then we gotta get this praise stuff right. We gotta get this stuff right and I believe it's gonna lead to more amazing experiences and miracles in our life. The first thing is this, seven points about praise. We're gonna go through these real fast. Seven sounds like a lot, but it's gonna go quickly. Number one, praise is a problem for your problem. Praise is a problem for your problem. In other words, um, my current problem doesn't stand a chance because I'm about to praise myself right through this. What I've known in, in, in 30, almost 31 years of living is that sometimes things happen in life and, and life just throws you curveballs. Has life ever thrown anyone like a curveball and you're like, man, I don't even, and, and at times it's like, there's not necessarily a formula for how to get myself through this and I don't really know what to do. Sometimes people come to me, they're like, Pastor Clay, what should I do about this? I'm a pastor and sometimes I'm like, man, that's a tough one, I don't, I, I don't know. Sometimes all you can do is praise your way through whatever the enemy's throwing your way. My problem is fixing to go away because my praise is gonna bother it. Is your praise bothering your problem or is your problem bothering your praise? Is your problem shutting down your praise? Is your problem making you more negative, making you more critical, or is your praise bothering your problem? My problem might be too real, but it's not gonna last too long because I'm gonna praise right through it. Praise is a problem for your problem. Number two, praise has nothing to do with your circumstances. Nothing to do with your circumstances. Paul and Silas are praising God in jail. Doesn't seem like a good time to praise. Anyone ever been in jail? I'm just kidding, don't raise your hand. Um, <laughs> we're all like, really? Pastor John Wyatt? I had no idea. Oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I don't know that to be true. So, jail doesn't seem like an ideal time to praise. Jail seems like a perfect time to be negative. If I'm, if I'm Paul and Silas, it seems like a perfect time to be like, where are you at on this one, God? I'm out there doing what you called me to do and look where it's got me, you know? It, it seems like a good time to be critical, but yet it wasn't critical talk that came out, it was praise that came out. Praise has nothing to do with your circumstances. It's not conditional. Praise is not just for when you feel good and all your bills are paid. Praise is for all times at all seasons, rejoice in the Lord. Always. always, always, at all times, whenever you can. I tell our young adults this at sub 30 sometimes. I say, hey, um, there's two times to praise God. Number one, when you feel like it. And number two, when you don't feel like it. All times, at all seasons, praise is not conditional, has nothing to do with my circumstances. About six years ago, um, I was 
my wife and I will be married nine years this summer, but so it was still early in our marriage. It was early in, in ministry for us and the whole deal. And, and I was really going through a season. We were living in Georgia and it was just like a dark season. It was just really difficult. We were struggling with some stuff and just some relationship stuff with people around us and whatever. And, and I just remember being really depressed. I honestly believe I was dealing with some depression through this season. I, I, I had thoughts of like, I don't even know if I wanna do ministry anymore. Like there's gotta be a better way to earn the money I'm earning and whatever. And it was just, it was weighty. And I know a lot of people in here know what weighty seasons feel like. But can I tell you the best remedy I found in that season of life was to go into this front room of our house, and we were still kind of newlyweds, so this room had no furniture in it, okay? Uh, everyone who's been married, you, you know, some, some seasons there just ain't nothing in there. Um, no furniture in there, but I would just walk in there at night, and I would turn the lights off, and I would just have like iPod in, and I would just listen to worship. And, and all I knew to do was, God, I don't know when you're gonna lift this weightiness off, and I don't know when I'm gonna rebound from this, and I don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. All I know to do right now is just praise because I know you're good, and I know my current circumstances are not indicative of your goodness. I know you're still good, and I know you're still faithful, and so I had to praise myself right out. Sometimes praise is the remedy. It's often the remedy for what we're going through, and it's not circumstantial. Number three, praise rallies listeners. Praise rallies listeners. Paul and Silas, two guys praising in jail, but boy, everybody's listening. Bible tells us all the other prisoners are listening in. Church, when you start praising God in the bad times, people will watch you. Boy, they'll watch you. Something's different about that person. You, you can't help but think perhaps of the story of Job. Here's a guy who's had everything taken away from him. His health's gone, his stuff's gone, all that he has accrued is now gone, but Job did not rise up in a critical negative spirit. He rose up in a prayerful praise spirit, still giving God praise. People stood at a distance saying, there's something different about this dude. There's something different about that guy. And I'm here to tell you, church, uh, it'll do It'll do so much for your personal testimony and evangelism when people see you praising God when they know you're going through something difficult. If there's one thing we know about our generation is they do not care how much you praise God when everything's going great. But boy, when you're praising God and they know stuff's going down the toilet, everybody's leaning in saying, boy, something's different about that person. And all of a sudden, now your witness at work turns into this whole new thing because they know you're walking through some stuff, but you're still praising anyway. Yeah. Number four, praise sets people free. Sets people free. The Bible said that Paul and Silas, two guys again, are praising, but everyone's chains fell off. Now, if you're gonna be in jail, that was a good night to be in jail. I, if, I, if I'm ever gonna go to jail, I want Paul and Silas to come back. I wanna go with them, okay? So everybody's chains fell off. Did you know, church, that your praise and your worship can set someone else free? That your praise isn't even just about you. I mean, think about that thought, that your praise has enough heaven backing that it can literally do something in the life of someone else that had no intention of doing anything for themselves. Praise changes environments. Praise changes atmospheres. I, I tell our students this all the time. Boy, praise will change a work environment. Other, other work colleagues have no intention of doing anything for, for themselves, but boy, when you walk in on a Monday with a spirit of praise, 
they have no say in the environment that's about to change because my praise is fixing to change this workplace. My family members might not wanna give God some praise, but if you're gonna walk in my house, you're gonna feel the atmosphere and the environment of a thankful praise attitude. Praise has the ability to even do a work in someone else's life that didn't wanna do anything for themselves. No one else was giving God praise, but two men were and everybody got free. Boy, praise isn't even just about us. Praise has the ability to affect our family members. Praise has the ability to affect our, to affect our workplaces. Praise has the ability to turn atmospheres and environments around. Number five, praise is a catalyst for miracles. It's a catalyst for miracles. I never wanna put God in a box when it comes to his blessing, his miracles, what he, he can do. If, if you can fit God in a box, that's not a God I wanna serve. So I never wanna put him in a box, but, but I do believe this. I do believe that there are two catalysts, sparks, if you will, that are needed for miracles. And I believe they're simply prayer and praise. I believe that every powerful move of God is birthed in prayer and fostered with praise. Prayer and praise. And even in the Old Testament, we see something powerful. We see the nation of Israel, before they would ever go to war, before they would ever swing their swords, before they would ever do anything, attack another nation, or, or take a bit of land that God was calling them to, to take, they would always send the same people first, and that was the praisers. They'd always send the worshipers first. It's almost as if this whole scene is saying, hey, before we even enter this battle, before we even get this victory, before we even climb this wall, we're gonna lead with praise. Boy, I feel that's a word for somebody today. But before you even fight the battle of restoring your marriage, before you even fight the battle of finances, before you even fight the battle of disease and the bad doctor's report, something inside of you needs to rise up and say, I'm gonna lead this whole thing with praise. <laughs> praise is gonna lead this fight and it's gonna lead to a miracle in Jesus' name. Birthed in prayer, fostered with praise. And I believe miracles can happen in Jesus' name. Lead your life with praise. Number six, praise gives you compassion for your enemies. Praise gives you compassion for your enemies. The Bible told us that the jailer was about to kill himself, but Paul said, hey, no, man, it's all good. Don't do that. We're still here. Now, when I read that passage of scripture, I'm thinking to myself, Paul, what are you doing? He's about to do you a favor. He's the guy that locked you up. Paul, what is going on here? But praise, praise allows compassion to well up inside of you. Church, when I come into an atmosphere like we have here at Celebration on, on a weekend service or even a riot in sub-30 services or, or wherever we're worshiping God, I, I can tell you this, I leave with more compassion for the world, not more hate and indifference. Because praise allows compassion to well up inside of my life, even for people who should be quote unquote natural enemies. But I leave with more compassion. If we wanna see the climate of our nation change, you know, watch this, I heard it said one time that people are a product of their environment. Wrong, not true. People are a product of how much time they spend in the presence of God. And if we wanna see the climate of our nation change, we don't just need simple things like, oh, raise the minimum wage and add a few more good schools. We need people spending time in the presence of God around the power of the Holy Spirit because that's the only way hate and indifference will leave and compassion will well up. 
Praise brings compassion. Praise will get rid of hate and indifference and it'll allow love and compassion to rise to the service. Number seven, the last one is this, praise. This is my favorite one. Save the best for last, just like any good preacher would, okay? Number seven, praise is a thank you in advance. It's not just a thank you, it's a thank you in advance, praise is. You see, it's easy to understand that we need to praise God after he's perhaps done the work in our life, but where are the mature believers in our generation that are gonna praise God before the miracle happens in our life? I have um, one rule and one rule only when it comes to loaning friends money, right? Someone needs money, like we're all picturing that, that guy, right, who's always coming to us. So. Um, When it comes to loaning people money, I got one rule and one rule only, and the rule is this. I will loan you some money if I know you're good for it and you'll pay me back on time. And then I got no problem. I know you're good for it and I'll pay you back on time. Notice the on time. It's not just, you know, whenever you get around to it in the next couple years. No, there's a date. You fixing to pay it back on this date. You know what I mean? Like, I like to think of praising God this way, church. In other words, God, I'm gonna front you this praise because I know you're good for it. God, I'm gonna go ahead and give you this praise in advance because I know you're good for it and you always deliver on time. Church, if you're gonna front anybody some praise, please let it be Jesus because he's never delinquent on his grace payments. He's never behind on his mercy and his goodness toward you. God, I got no problem fronting this praise because I know you're good for it and I'm gonna give you it in advance. As the band gets ready to come and join me. I got some guys who are gonna bring out an illustration, if you will. Here we go. Awesome. It's, it's like a big lottery check, right? It's, we, we, we did this at Sub 30 one time. Apparently Sub 30 does the lottery now. And uh, I gave it to Jude Baird, right? I gave it to my son. I didn't know who else to give it to for being awesome. So $100 million, that's a pretty hefty gift. So think about it like this, church. Um, you know, I know several weeks ago, there was like the big Powerball uh, lottery deal, you know, and, and we were all like the whole nation was watching because the number got so high. It was absolutely incredible. Who's gonna win this? And you know, I think we've all kind of seen uh, this scene play out a, a lot. You know, we, we've seen lotteries won. We see publishers clearing house things. And it's all kind of the same when you see it happening on TV, right? There's a camera crew. There's, there's some kind of guy emceeing and like they go up to the person's house and they knock on the door, right? It's always the least likely person in the whole world to perhaps win the lottery. And and they knock on the door and the person comes out and there's a big giant check, big giant lottery check. And there's some balloons and there's some cameras and people, excuse me, are there and everyone's watching. And the person comes out, right? They got their bathrobe on. They always got their bathrobe on. It's like none of us are ever actually dressed when we're inside our homes. So that's a weird thought. Do not picture that thought. So they come out in their bathrobe, right? And they're in the front yard and they got the giant check lifted up, guys. Listen, and they lift the giant check in the air and the person is just going nuts. The person is screaming, they're shouting, they're getting excited. Boy, they are running around. They're like, thank you, Jesus. You're like, you don't even believe in God, but like you praising Jesus for this. So everybody's thanking Jesus for this. So boy, they're, they're just going, what are they doing? They're praising, they're they're praising, they're excited, they're lifting their voice, they're lifting their hands, they're they're praising. But think about it like this, church. Um, This check right here, like this actual giant check, if you take this to the bank, they ain't cashing this. 
this giant check is not worth anything. It's not worth anything. And at the same time, as the person is praising and going nuts in their driveway, the, the amount of money is not even in their bank account yet. It's not even in their account. And this piece of paper is not worth anything, but it didn't stop them from praising. Because, because what is this? This is a promise of what's coming my way. I can get excited. I can praise because of the promise. Church, I'm here to tell you, you are holding some ink and some paper and it might not look like the miracle is in your bank account yet, but boy, you got a promise and my praise is worthy of the promise. My praise is worthy of my excitement. My praise is worthy of my thankfulness because I got something to praise about. God, I don't know how you're gonna get the miracle into my account, but I know it's coming. God, God I, don't, I don't see the funds on the way, but I'm gonna praise in advance because I know they're coming. I'm holding a promise, and the promise is all I need to lift up some praise. All I need to lift up some praise. I want you to think about this thought as we close right now, and you can stay standing. Paul and Silas are sitting in jail, and, and the enemy, the jailers, and those who were against them had their hands bound and they had their feet bound. Oh, but church, they forgot to bind the most important part, and that was their mouth. I'm here to tell somebody you might feel like the enemy has you surrounded. You might feel even in this season of life, spring of 2016, like your hands are bound and your feet are bound. But church, if you can speak, then you can praise. And if you can praise, then mountains can move and miracles can happen. Come on, has God been good to you? If he has, why don't you lift your hands? Why don't you lift your voice? Why don't you give God your very best praise? Oh, come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.